you know, it's like you said, I could, I could probably find somebody to do it, to replace me, to hand off the company to, um, and at the end of the day, I just feel like that's what, this is what I'm created for. We are super excited to introduce you to our 300 Sons for City Soleil campaign. As you can see, we have these blank canvases here, and the beautiful thing that's gonna happen is we're gonna take these suns and we are actually literally gonna build a piece of art that is a sunrise that represents all of you coming together for the kiddos that we adore in City Soleil. So it's $25 a month commitment, and every single one of them comes together and makes a huge impact. We cannot wait to see who joins the Upstream family. How about before I ask you a few questions, you can just introduce people, who you are, tell them a little bit about your family, whatever you want to, and kind of what you do. Okay. So my name is Shelly, and I run an artisan company in Haiti. It's called Papuan Marketplace. Um, I uh, wanted to, so back in the day, 2007, I had wanted to adopt, expand my family through you know, bringing in um, an orphan to the family. And I had found out about Haiti. It was one of those people who had no idea where it was. Um, and I'm kind of one of those all in people. Once I decide I want to do something, I don't want to just sort of halfway do it. I want to really get my fingers around what it is that's going on. And so I ended up visiting Haiti in 2007 and um, stayed a week in an orphanage. During that time in an orphanage, um, the kids I, I learned all had living parents. And I just really, my heart just really did like a flip flop because it was like, man, I thought I was adopting a child who really needed a mom and a dad, not some poor person's child who can't afford to keep them. And I thought this is not justice. This is not really orphan care in the sense this is, um, this is not the best situation for these children. And so my heart really went towards mothers in Haiti. And I really started thinking like, how do we empower a woman to be able to keep her kids instead of having to abandon them to an orphanage because she can't feed them? What does it cost for a mom to keep her, her child? And I came to find out it was around two to $300 a month is all a mom would need to be able to keep her kids. And so I pretty much started a small business based around this model of what a mom needs to keep her kids. And so I started in 2008 with about four people that I is high risk. I started selling their, these ugly bits that we've, you know, they were making with these beads that we could find Haiti at the time and on Facebook and begs to buy them and that kind of thing and gradually grew into a fair trade business. So now we're fully certified fair trade export company. We still have the heart of orphan prevention and all of our artisans with the exception of a few are parents who are really trying to raise their families well and keep their kids safe and with them. So that's really what I are, what we do. So. Yes, I love it. And, and I think, you know, most people that are new, like going to a place like Haiti are going to have the same idea that there's this major orphan crisis and it's because these kids don't have parents, which obviously you and I both know. And once you're there, you realize very quickly that that's not the case, that it's mm -hmm. truly poverty that is breaking up families. So, yeah. you know, I have such a big fat heart for what you do. You inspire me so much. Um, so obviously what you're doing is not necessarily what the average person is doing, right? Because one, 
uh, is a lot of work too. It's not everybody's calling. I mean, there's so many reasons why, um, but it's obvious that you're living your life upstream. You're kind of going against the flow. You're, and it's difficult, right? Um, can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of the challenges that you face uh, doing what you do for people that maybe are completely clueless of what it, what does it even mean? Like, obviously, the easy thing to do would just be to go and adopt a kid, not the easy thing. You know what I mean? The, the, the first thought would be just go adopt these kids because they need a family. That's obviously not the best case scenario, right? The best case scenario is keeping them in their families and preventing them from even getting into that place, right? But mm -hmm. that's a much more of an upstream approach, like rather than addressing like, this is, you know, the situation, we got to go like way over here at the beginning and stop it. Um, and that is not an easy thing to do. So like, what are some of the challenges? I know the last few years, it's been like, even more challenges than normal, but what are maybe a couple of challenges that you face, you know, living your life, doing things maybe more difficult and uh, different maybe than the average person is living their life? Um, yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> um, there's logistical challenges every single day today, there was no diesel in Haiti. So therefore we can't run our generator. So therefore we can't fire the beads and the mugs that need to be, or, you know, for the orders that are, um, coming in. So it's just nonstop with logistical nightmares. And so nobody goes to Haiti and starts a business because it's a smart business decision, right? It's, an, <laughs> it's an intentional decision yes. to, do business there because the people there need it. Um, there are much better places if you're trying to run a profitable business. Right. So obviously it's not something that you're doing because you're going to have an easy business situation. So right. there's that. Um, you know, you've got the whole, you're working with, so for the most part, our target um, employee is a mother potentially with very little to no education. I mean, we have to start sometimes with teaching them colors, teaching them how to use scissors, mm. teaching many of them don't know how to write, read or write. So how do you get them to a place where we can count how many beads and talk about using the dark green and the light green beads when those things are not something that they've ever done before? So yeah. there's a lot of um, really like basic skills involved in what we do that it's actually makes it, it makes it challenging, but it also makes it super rewarding mm. because you see people progress, you know, to something that they've never thought of for themselves before. So that's really cool. Um, the other thing that's challenging is obviously just, um, trauma is huge. I mean, huge, you can't huge. work, you can't work at a place like Haiti and not have massive trauma that you witness that you go through you see your friends die you see your children's friends die or your your friends children's die um you see um sickness you see setbacks like you've never imagined before and it never stops it's relentless mm -hmm. yeah we always say so and i know that I know that you can relate to this is that a, a lot of us who've worked in Haiti a long time say, if we ever told our full story, people would think we were crazy or totally. they would not, or they would not believe us. And so you choose, you pick and choose what you can say about what your reality and what you've experienced is so that you can still be heard without being off-putting or without being completely dismissed. And so in some ways that becomes hard because you feel a little isolated. Um, you can't really, you can't really explain your whole truth. Um, to people and what you've been through and what you've seen. 
And um, so that, that can be challenging, of course. So yeah, it can be a very lonely road. And I think that's why people like, like I'm drawn to you and, you know, you make friends with people that really can understand and you don't even have to talk about it because you just yeah. kind of know, you know, it's like, I know that you're facing hardships. You know that I am like, it just is kind of this like oddly comforting thing to know that you mm -hmm. just get each other. Because like you said, most yeah. people, I mean, even if you told them everything that you have seen and endured, they'd have no landing field for it. And what, what good would it do? I mean, they'd probably just be like, well, why don't you quit? Or, you know, yeah. Like it's, yeah, there's not really a landing field at all. So yeah, it is, yeah. it is lonely. And there is a whole lot of trauma. And I think so many times because there's so much on the line with what we're doing that you can't just stop. And so there's Never. so many times where it's like, you aren't even dealing with the trauma. You're not even dealing with the burnout or the heartbreak or all those things, because you just got to keep going. And, you know, yeah. can you kind of speak to that at all? Like, obviously, it just piles up, right? And how do you just keep going? Yeah, I mean, that is tough, because we have currently over 200 people working right now. And that means that 200 people times five, if there's a family of five that they're supporting, a 1000 people are being taken care of through the sales um, in our of our company. So when I can, when I get overwhelmed and burnt out and I want to quit, like, it's not really a choice. It's like yeah. you can't walk away and leave a thousand people with nothing. And it's not like we're, you know, some kind of, you know, savior figure or something. It's just that there's just not that many opportunities in yeah. Haiti for jobs. So to lose a job is catastrophic. And um, yeah, they could maybe go back to selling mangoes on the side of the road or something like that, but they're going to have a hard time finding the same kind of job with the same benefits and that we have really worked hard to provide. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, when I get up to work, I'm not working for, for you know, what I want to do to provide for my family. It's, it's, I've got this whole army of people in the back of my mind that it weighs heavily and um, through this year with COVID and, um, and lack of sales and all that stuff, you know, when I can't give the same amount of jobs as I'm used to giving or used to creating, et cetera, like I see the fallout. I see yeah. the, I see the pain and the suffering that that causes. And it's a huge burden. Um, and yeah, it keeps me up at night. You know, there's no way else to say that. You know, Yes. I know that you and I have talked probably far too many times at two or three in the morning. Like, mm -hmm. why are you up? Why are you up? We're like, ah, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, why yeah. are you not up? You know, it's like, you can't, uh, you can't always sleep because you do recognize that it's a big burden. And yeah. So how do you, how do you persevere? I mean, like, obviously, you know, that it's kind of like you don't have a choice, but at the same time you do, right? Like yeah. we could say, okay, like my brain, my body, my emotions, everything, like I'm just tired. I could walk away. Obviously you don't and you won't, but what keeps you going day in and day out? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just the reality of this situation and knowing how vastly important it is and the impact that you have when you are able to create jobs for people who don't have any other place to get them. Um, it's, I, I mean, honestly, I think that's really the main, the main um, thing that really pushes me, but 
you know, it's like you said, I could, I could probably find somebody to do it, to replace me, to hand off the company to, um, and at the end of the day, I just feel like this was, this is what I'm created for. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like when you find that calling that you say, this is the one thing that I seem to be gifted for and it's working. And I don't think I would thrive as much or be used according to my giftings as much in another setting. I must be where I'm supposed to be. So I think that, I think that when you realize that you're sitting in the middle of your calling, as hard as that is, that you continue because that's really what you're created for. So, yeah. And do you notice, you know, for me, the moments where I'm feeling so tired and so burnt out, so fried, so over it, those are the moments where like you just get those little glimmers, you see the impact you see, you know, it's like just the timing is always right where something comes in and reminds you to just keep Mm -hmm. fighting, just keep going, just keep swimming, just, you know, keep pushing against the current. Um, Can you think of a time recently where that's happened to you, where maybe you felt like, oh my gosh, I literally just want to throw in the towel and then something just really like speaks to your heart and smacks you right back into it? Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason I I go into Haiti about every four weeks and I go not just for logistical reasons, but it's for emotional reasons. I need to be there. I need to connect. I need to see and remind myself um, of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Cause it's really easy to forget when you don't see it in front of you every day. And I think that's super important. I could probably do everything I'm doing fairly well without going in there more than once every three months, but I think it's really important. I think it's also really important to show your face so that yes, people, down, people down there, yeah, they, they, they're encouraged and they know that you're still with them and you're still fighting hard for, you know, the company to succeed. You know, I think that's really important. Um, you know, I think this year has been really cool because I think in the past, uh, a lot of our artisans or employees have maybe taking the company a little bit for granted. Like it's just kind of, it's, we've been going strong for 10 years now. And maybe after five years, they're like, this is always going to be here for me. And this is always going to be stable as long as I just do my job. And I think this last year kind of shook everyone to realize that nothing is really for sure stable. And I feel like this year I have gotten, cause I think sometimes as like a leader or a boss, you don't get a lot of positive feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, you just you hear have to all the complaints. Trucking. Yeah. You hear the complaints. You just keep trucking. No one's patting you on the back to say good job. Um, and you know, so you have to constantly try to encourage yourself if anything else. And I think this year I've heard more encouragement from the people in Haiti than I've ever heard. And that mm-hmm. has really been special and sweet. It's almost as if they see for the first time, like how hard this is and how hard I'm working and how, like, I don't want to quit and I don't want to fail. And I, and it's mostly because I really want that for them. You know, um, we all know that we could go get other jobs and we wouldn't have starved to death in the United States, you know, but it's, it's a, you know, sobering thought to feel that you've left someone else without a lifeline. And I think that they can see my heart in a way that they haven't, um, before, uh, this year. So that's been really cool and encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure because you, and I mean, I say this, I talk to, I talk about you to people frequently, um, especially Joe, um, just how much you inspire me because I, I know very few people that have 
I mean, it's just like everything thrown at you all the time, the weight of many on your shoulders. And, and I can relate, like, I know how that feels. Um, Mm. and I'm just seriously always inspired by you that you just keep going and you keep swimming and you just keep, you know, staying smacked up in the center of your calling. Um, it seriously does inspire me loads. Like I have mad respect for you, Shelly. Um, so, okay. What advice would you give? So not everybody is going to be running a nonprofit organization or like you, a nonprofit and a for-profit and not everybody's going to be running a for-profit. Um, but we can all relate to troubles, right? And how, you know, things continue to come at you. You can't control them, but you have to just keep fighting. What advice would you give somebody who is smack dab in the middle of a trying situation or um, just kind of feeling like things are crumbling around them um, and they need some encouragement to just like keep swimming? What would you tell them? Man, there's a lot of things that you could say to that. Um, one of my favorite books is uh, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning and talks about the last of human freedoms is to choose our attitude in any given circumstance. And I feel like that really is the crux is that you have to keep your mind in a positive place always. Um, you have to focus on the good. Um, and you just, and you have to ask yourself where you're supposed to be mm-hmm. and make sure that you know and that you're confident that you're where you're supposed to be. And if you are, then you stay there and you focus on the good. And I think that's what really has gotten me through, you know, a lot of the hard things. So, yeah, I love that. I was, I've been thinking a lot, like for several months, um, about just this idea that not everything good is God, right? Like that there's so many times that we can, especially in our super fast culture in this country, you know, we can take on so many things and they can be good things, but not even like what God's asked us to do, not even like what we're called and created uniquely to do. And so I've really just even been evaluating my own life and being like, Hey, like Sammy, what, what parts of your life are good? Fine. Cool. No problem. They're not bad, but aren't even really like what you're supposed to be doing then. They're not what God's mm-hmm. been like, Hey, this is what I divinely uniquely created you for. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's just been something where it's, you know, to me, it's like, it's very obvious that you are created for this. It's very obvious mm-hmm. that is something that you're passionate about. And I think when you have those things in your life, so similar to you, you know, early on in, so we've been, uh, serving in Haiti for like 10 and a half years and on year three, three and four is when we were in process to adopt gospel and worthy. And, you know, their situation is different because we don't know anything about their biological families. We don't know, you know, were likely because of where they come from, they were abandoned because they had special needs and, you know, who knows, maybe poverty was a part of that, but I definitely distinctly remember, you know, when we were in the process of adopting them and then even bringing them home and simultaneously serving in Haiti and seeing, you know, the, the, the level of, um, poverty and people that are faced with this decision of like, I can't feed my kid. What do I do? You know, my world collided so much at that time of being like, this is so wrong. Like, how Mm -hmm. is it that this is okay? And that so many people are so, 
I mean, for lack of a better word to say it, like ignorance about it. Like you just don't know. I didn't know until I knew, you know, I didn't even know about Haiti until the earthquake happened. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, like I didn't even know this place existed. And now of Mm -hmm. course, you know, it's kind of taken over all of our lives, but, um, you know, it's, it's interesting how if you're open to learning and if you're open to saying like, okay, God, here I am, use me however you need. And you're open to learning and having your mind changed, you realize, you know, like you could easily, you could, it would be probably easier for you to raise a ton of money by showing pictures of these poor orphaned kids. And Mm -hmm. you could probably, I mean, bring in all the money in America to fund something like that. It's much more difficult to do what you're doing. It's much more difficult to provide a way out of that situation to stop those things from happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just also not glamorous and it's not, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not something where you're gonna get all kinds of earthly attaboys, right? It's not, you know, and which is why it probably feels so special to you, you know, that your staff there is really starting to acknowledge like, holy crap, like Shelly's really here for us. Like she's in this thing Mm -hmm. with us and she's not giving up, you know? Um, I could seriously talk for probably days and days on end about um, all of these things for sure, because it's just, it's, it's something I also lose sleep over and something that I also, you know, have been kind of navigating, like, where do I fit in this? You know, like obviously our work in city Soleil is unique and it's not what you're doing. It's different. Um, but I also know that my burden for moms is massive too, you know, just being one raising these kids that, I mean, I just can't imagine being in their biological mom situation. Like I just, mm-hmm. I don't even know what the situation was, but obviously for you, you know, with your kiddos that you've adopted, like, you know, um, that poverty was part of their story and that you're able to intervene for other kids. And so I'm sure that that also keeps you going. And, um, so yeah, like what, what is it that makes it worth it to you? What makes it worth it is that over time that you see, you know, you see the children growing up and you see moms learning how to read and write and you see people buying land and building their own homes because that is really the first step out of poverty is owning your own land and building your own home. Mm. And over time, it's not one day, you know, or two days, it's years of work that you see now kids who were, you know, in 10 years old when we started now going to college. And that makes it worth it because you know that as soon as they graduate and they maybe can get decent jobs, their parents are going to be okay because they put in the work and they were able to, you know, do the things that they needed for their kids to thrive. And so it is a generational project. You know, it's not a quick, you know, here, you know, you've got a poster after a year that shows about your great success, you know, right. And a lot of people have come down there and said, wow, I thought your artisans, cause we pay, you know, double and three times minimum wage. And, you know, we do really, we do really try to be really good to our people, but they still live in, you know, shacks, you know, they still, because they're spending their money on school. They're not putting a lot of money into being in a great home. You know what I mean? They're they're used to living in a shack, but now their kids get to go to school. Yeah. But a lot of times people will say, wow, you, you're, you know, I'm surprised they still live in a home like that. And it's like, yeah, but 
Um, but before they were living in a home like that, they were and not starving. eating yes. and they were, yeah, they were not eating and their kids weren't going to school. So yeah, it doesn't look super glow. There is progress being made. And, you know, um, so yeah, I think, I think knowing in my heart, you know, I don't have to explain to anybody and I'm not accountable, you know, really to anybody except myself and God, as far as, you know, at the end of the day, what I did with my life, but it's really encouraging to me to sparks that have been made and that they're real, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting. And I think because so many times, like, you know, hearing you say, you know, people are like, I can't believe they still live in this house. You're like, you know, we come into things with our American mindset, right? Because mm-hmm. we think, oh, I have more money. That means I have a nicer ABC. And that's just not the case because if you're used to, living that way for a long time, but then on top of it, stacking on starvation and lack of education and, you know, all of these, you know, lack of medical care, like all of these things. And now you're able to pick just one or two or three of those things. Like a house is going to be like way down here, dude. Like you're like, okay, I want to keep my kids alive. Number one and educated, you know? So it's like, it's interesting because we, we so many times want to put an American mindset on something and I've found, and I'm sure you've seen too, not to, you know, knock American, uh, lifestyle or culture, but there's such a richness and beauty to how Haitians do live because, you know, when you are stripped down to having very little or nothing, the things that are the most important are what shine through, you know, it's their relationship Mm -hmm. and their community and sharing. And, um, you know, they truly do need each other to keep going, you know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, okay. So how can people connect with you? How can people get involved with what you're doing, support you, encourage you, um, partner with these artisans, tell people, and then Ben can like post links and all that jazz, put it on the screen, whatever he does. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to buy some of the things that our artisans make, you can go to papionmarketplace.com and, you know, hopefully the link will have the spelling because nobody knows, you know, it's hard to spell. Yes, um, it'll and work then, out. <laughs> yeah. And even like more importantly, we love more, more to sell wholesale because wholesale is like bulk buying and it really creates an impact. So if you know a store who would like to carry handmade goods from Haiti, mugs, jewelry, metal art, all that stuff, Papillon wholesale.com is the place you go for that. Um, we are also on Facebook and Instagram, Papillon Marketplace. And my Facebook is Shelly Jean, if you want to connect with me. Um, I also have a, um, two books I wrote. So I have an author page on Facebook, Shelly in Haiti. Um, yeah, so I think that's the main way to connect with me. And I love to, you know, I'm, I'm fairly accessible. I'm just a regular human being here, just working in my garage, packing boxes. And, you know, so yeah, I, um, I love to connect with people because I do work alone, especially. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I just love you. And, you know, from me to you, I don't want to make your head too big or anything, but I do. I just love you lady. And, uh, you've been, um, such a sweet friend to me. And I seriously, like if somebody were to ask me like, Hey, like name the top five people that, you know, that are just changing the world and like just going for it, you would be one of them for me. I mean, seriously, like I could get emotional. I really do. I I have a lot of respect for you and and what you do because I know that it's um it's not easy that you're literally sitting alone in a garage 
packing orders, waiting for orders to come in, and all of the millions of things that that represents. And it's it's not an easy burden to carry. So yeah. I uh, I have well, mad respect you. for you.